Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm really excited to introduce my guest today, Ryan Zadrazil. He's a leader in the sales development world. He is an advocate for mental health, and he also is a co-host of a podcast himself, The Daily Sales Dish. How are you doing today, Ryan? Adam, thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are you enjoying your uh, Memorial Day weekend? Yeah, man, it's going well. You know, it's kind of weird with, uh, you know, having a holiday, you know, with uh, the COVID situation going on. But, you know, and trying to enjoy the nice weather. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite an experience. But, uh, you know, <laughs> enjoying it uh, to, you know, what I can do, you know. Yeah, you can only make the most of out of what you have, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, so I, I really am excited about, you know, taking this time. I, I think it's really awesome that, you know, you're in the sales development world. And, you know, for, for myself as well, being in sales development, you know, the job itself is a grind. But also, you know, what also was great about your story is, you know, you're an advocate for mental health. So really, tell me about that and just, you know, what you're doing on, on the mental health side. Yeah, definitely. So I guess it, I've struggled with mental health, obviously, my whole life. I think we all do to a certain extent, but I really became cognizant of it maybe two or three years ago. I realized, like, I need to do something if I'm going to develop myself both professionally and personally. So I, I started going to a lot of uh, groups for NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and just connected with some great people there. And then I started posting on LinkedIn um, in December of 2018 and continued to meet a lot of cool people. And it's just been a fun ride. Just actually this, this past week, I started to post about mental health and just sharing my story. And it's just been amazing, the outpouring of support. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. And as far as mental health, uh, you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I think, you know, especially during this time, uh, you know, with the COVID situation, you know, a lot of people are are in a tricky situation and, you know, it's getting us to talk about mental health. But how did you, where was that turning point for you where you made that decision to speak out? Because there is that stigma. And of course, you know, you have that, that hashtag crush the stigma. Where, where was that turning point for you? Where it's like, I want to speak out and I want to be an advocate for mental health. So about a year ago, I connected with Miguel Olaf as a result of a post he did about his struggle with PTSD. We have become very good friends through that interaction, and we stay in touch pretty frequently. But I still wasn't quite comfortable sharing my story yet. I could definitely resonate with his, but at the same time, I didn't know how people would react to mine. <laughs> so then... Um, I do a weekly uh, roundtable discussion with a few people on the topic of sales. And after the discussion, one of the people that had attended it noticed that I had mental health advocate in my headline. So she explained that I was doing myself a disservice by not sharing my story because I had the capability to empower so many people just by sharing, you know, brief snippets of what I've gone through. So on Wednesday night, I did my first post on mental health. And it was amazing. All the people that commented or messaged me and just, 
I, I felt like I'm, I was actually making an impact versus just, you know, through sharing my story. Yeah, that that's fantastic. And, you know, take me back to some of, you know, those battles and, you know, some of those turning points as far as, you know, your story with, you know, that, that mental health side. It's a very long story, Adam. Yeah. So I'm give you this <laughs> <laughs> as brief as possible. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to this week um, just about my childhood and adolescence, but just to give you an idea, I knew something was wrong in kindergarten. Like, I knew I wasn't normal. Well, we're all not normal to a certain extent, But once I, you know, started having, I was put on medications. They didn't really make a difference, but I just kept kind of grinding through it. I finished elementary school. I was doing pretty well academically, despite all the emotional things that that were happening in my head. Um, And I went from going to a public school to a private school. And that's where it really got bad. I was still a good student. I wasn't fitting in. You know, I was having lots of like grandiose thoughts or grandiose ideas. Um, And then near the end of the school year, I pretty much lost it. And I ended up getting hospitalized for the first time at like 13 years old. And it was an awful experience. So off and on, I've been in the hospital. Um, just been like, I, I've lost track. I don't know how many times <laughs> I've gone to the hospital anymore. But the big thing I happened that happened was in 2006, when I was 17, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And prior to that, they didn't really think I had it because kids don't get bipolar disorder, according to the psychiatrist I, I worked with. <laughs> so once I knew what the problem was, I didn't address it. I just kind of pushed it to the side, kept grinding. You know, I had some really great friends through skateboarding and I met people through running and I didn't really take time to think or reflect on my mental health. It just wasn't a priority to me. And then it got to um, 2016. I had a very severe episode and I blew all my money and just kind of destroyed my life. Um, And then (laughs) after that, I, I was doing okay for a while. Again, it took me like five months to recover from that episode and I wasn't working. It was really hard to get a sales job again because I had a big gap in my employment history. But I got one. And then I started posting on LinkedIn. And then I met Miguel. And then in 2018, I had a very bad episode again. And it was really out of my control. I, I think a lot of the, the reason behind that episode was because of the seasonal changes and how my emotions kind of, they can dip or go up based on the time of the year. And... After that episode, I realized I needed to get more involved with mental health advocacy and just meeting other people that have shared similar experiences. So that brings me to today where I'm sharing my story on LinkedIn. That That's awesome, Ryan. And the one consistency that I can clearly see there is, is that resiliency to continue to push forward. And how does that, where do you, where does that come from? Where does that, obviously you've had, you know, some things happen and, and some of that past, but where does that, where does that resiliency come from to continue to push forward no matter what, what occurs, you know, what obstacles you face? 
So it stems from me being the kind of person that if something needs to get done, I'm going to do it right now. Like I don't procrastinate. It's, it's when I was in college, when I was in high school, if I got an assignment, I was working on it immediately after class because I felt urgency to get it done. Maybe it's healthy. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. <laughs> but it's just having self-awareness and realizing like how you operate versus how someone else operates. So you got to understand what works for you and ride with that approach. Yeah, that that's fantastic. I totally, I totally understand that because sometimes, you know, when you have obstacles, you can either face them or not. And, and sometimes a lot of people tend to, to not want to face them. And that's great that you had that resiliency. Um, and, and for those people that struggle with that resiliency, you know, what would you, what advice would you give them? Cause I know like mental health is a huge topic and sometimes there's those people that are struggling that don't know either have are able to ask for help or have a support system where they're able to seek out others for help. Three things, attitude, always come with a positive mindset, acceptance, accept the, what you've been given in life. You just, it's not going to change unless you change it. <laughs> and then um, self-awareness, just have to be aware of your emotions. You have to be aware of, you know, what you want to accomplish. And then you have to build out a plan, whether it be a long-term or short-term plan to figure out how you're going to accomplish those things. That's awesome. That That's awesome. I love that. And, and talk to me about, you know, the connection and, and the bridge between, you know, the mental health side and sales. Obviously, sales can be an up and down roller coaster as well. Um, just talk to me about, you know, the sales and your professional career within sales and the balance between being able to, you know, push forward um, on the mental health side. So I started out doing retail and then I moved to outside and then I moved to inside. The reason why I moved to inside was because I didn't like the physical labor. So that took some <laughs> self-awareness right there to understand that it, it wasn't what I wanted to do long-term. Uh, my first inside sales job, when I look back at it, I could have probably done things a little bit differently, but at the same time, I was incredibly unhappy in the position. <laughs> then I had that episode, and then I got another job doing inside sales, and then I found out, I learned how how much you need to learn about the leadership and how it's executed within a company and what the communication is like, because I wasn't getting what I needed out of that job. So then I applied for another job and it was really cool because I actually was introduced to the person through LinkedIn from another person in the sales development community. And that's how I ended up at, it was called Directive. Fortunately, COVID hit. I lost my job. Um, and then now I'm working at One Market Sales. And this is also a result of knowing people on LinkedIn and getting introduced. So something I really made sure of with the last two positions that I was very clear about what I expected out of leadership and how, ensuring that it aligned with you know, what I was looking for, because no one wants to be unhappy in a job. It's just a lot of people think, yeah, take as much money as you can, but it goes <laughs> deeper than that. 
Yeah, I can I can definitely attest to that. You don't want to settle for for just the money. Um, but yeah, talk to me about you know your role at Directive, and you know the situation when COVID hit, and now you're at you know One Market. How did that all transpire, and what was it like working at Directive for the three months that you were there, and now you're transitioning to, to One Market? You know, all during the the pandemic, what has that experience been like for you? And, you know, what have you really learned uh, the most? Adam, directive was awesome. I am kind of <laughs> bummed that it didn't work out, but it wasn't my fault. I work with really <laughs> great SDRs and a really great director of marketing. Um, both of them were very involved on LinkedIn too. And my, my manager was very supportive of my choices of what to post on LinkedIn and help me come up with ideas. And it was working. Like I was it, in enterprise sales. It's really hard to get people on the phone, but because of the connections I had made prior to that job, I was able to get intro to the people like the prospects I was targeting and book meetings. I think I only booked two meetings over the phone and I booked a decent amount through LinkedIn. So it was it was fun. Um, I wouldn't change anything when I look back at it. Like not being at the job long-term isn't a bad thing. I mean, it gave me another opportunity to kind of regroup and use that same approach again to find an opportunity that's the right fit. Yeah, that's, that's uh, totally, totally makes sense. And now at one market, you know, you know, how did, how did that come about? And as far as, you know, transition, I noticed on your LinkedIn, it says remote. So are you totally like, is it a totally remote job or is it, do they like have an office as well? I'm talking to you from my office, Adam. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I worked remote at directive too, and it's not for everyone, but I think it helps me because I'm able to structure my day and execute what needs to get done without all the distractions of coworkers coming, asking you questions. Like I can just ping, you know, the co-founders of my company and be like, Oh, I'm not sure how to handle this. Boom. Right back. So it's not like, it's not like I'm disconnected from anyone. In fact, sometimes I feel more connected through working at home because there's more of a dialogue going throughout the day versus when you go to the office, like you cooler, but then everybody just gets down to work and it's hard to get the answers you need sometimes when it's all done in the office. Exactly. I mean, I totally uh, can relate. I mean, where I'm at right now, I mean, we use Slack and it's pretty, I mean, that's totally, you know, you just a Slack message away. So um, that, that totally makes sense. But as far as, you know, the SDR role and, you know, what are some advice, you know, you would give like a new, SDR, BDR that just graduated college, you know, and this is their first, you know, role into sales. So there's two quotes that I just live by. And the first is fall in love with the process because if you learn to love the process, the numbers will take care of themselves. <laughs> the other one is treat every call like it's the first one of the day. And that really ties into just being positive and having that right mindset to do what needs to be done so each call is effective versus, you know, ups and downs throughout the day and not having a positive attitude. Yeah, that's huge. I think uh, that totally makes sense. You know, when I when I graduated college, I started out in 
selling gym memberships and I was doing full cycle sales. And I didn't even know, it's funny. I didn't even know what sales development was until I started uh, working full time at the first company I, I was doing sales development. Uh, what, what do you think of the biggest challenge facing sales development right now? And what do you think, you know, the future of sales development looks like as far as the technology and, and what we have available to us? So the biggest challenge for me personally, I guess the way I see it would be rejection. <laughs> when you start out, it's a really hard thing to handle. I, at my first inside sales job, I was so affected by rejection that I didn't sleep <laughs> some nights. Like I took it really personally, but over time I learned it's not something personal, but what needs to happen is if it's not working, you have to find a way that does work. As for the future of sales, there's some amazing tools out there. Um, unfortunately, I work for a bootstrap startup, so we're not ready to take on tools like that quite yet, but Connect and Sell, awesome tool. I used it at Directive. Just enabled you to have tons of conversations throughout the day and really dial in your pitch and get, you know, establish that like tonality and pace and all the things that are important when you're making a cold call. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I think about the tools. I mean, uh, one that I used in my, my first SDR role was Discover Org. Um, I mean, that was, you know, strictly outbound calling and having the power to just look at a company's org chart and see if there was somebody there I could reach out to. Um, you know, Discover Org is, is a huge platform. Um, and, and just some of these automated tools, Salesforce is, is doing great things. Uh, but it's funny because, you know, when I graduated college, you know, I didn't know what sales development was. And then just, you know, doing different things and seeing how, you know, I listened to so many podcasts related to sales development. It's really cool uh, to really know about the industry, especially now as, as we go through this pandemic. Yeah, I totally agree. There's so many tools out there now. Like, but you have to pick the tools that are right for your prospecting, not you know, Jerry may say something works, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Like you have to understand what tools you absolutely need to leverage in order to have those conversations and book meetings or close deals. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let me ask you, like, as far as the balance uh, between the dials and, and booking meetings, have you been, I, I would imagine you would be in, a, you've had, or you've been in a role where you're making like a lot of dials, uh, but where's that balance between the number of dials versus booking meetings? Um, like are you smile and dial a hundred dials a day, or is it more so, okay, let me make 50 dials and get these meetings booked. It depends on the day, Adam. Some days, some days, you know, you can't get people on the phone and you make a hundred dials and I'm yeah. okay with like that's part of the game that's why you learn to love the process everything that goes into yeah. it but other days you know i may make like 80 or 70 and have more conversations it's just all about enjoying it like sales is fun <laughs> yeah that's uh have you ever heard the saying sales are dope never stop selling no i haven't that's a new one to me yeah um are you uh there's a guy on on youtube or in social media it's corporate corporate bro are you familiar with yeah i think i recently joined the slack channel i haven't seen his content but i'm i'm on the slack channel 
Yeah, he he is hilarious, and because of course, I mean, we're all familiar with ABC, right? Um, always be closing. Um, but I thought that was funny. Uh, the his his acronym, Sarasar Dope, never stops, never ever stops selling, which was you know, I mean, that's what you know. And I came out of college, and I was thinking, you know, I, I was doing, I had a lot of operations experience, so I I didn't you know really know. I didn't really have the sales experience first. Um, so I was trying to figure out where to go. So when you graduated college back in 2016, you know, how, did, what was that, you know, dis- or when did you make that decision? Like you really wanted to, you know, take sales and, and make that your career. Yeah, definitely. So I knew after I got my bachelor's degree, I was doing outside sales. I knew I wanted to do inside. Unfortunately, <laughs> A lot of the places that I thought were great places to work at in the area would not, you know, bring me on because I had no experience. <laughs> so then I kind of ended up in that call center mentality, West Corporation, and just, I succeeded very quickly. I was able to, everything was measured on the amount of average daily net revenue you were able to produce throughout the month. And in my first month of reporting it, I it was considered like a great month when you had 180 in R. I had 363 in my first month of making calls. So I knew right away this was probably for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. And as far as just, you know, any teammates that you've worked with, um, you know, where is that leadership? Because, I mean, all, you know, sales development is, is a huge aspect in that that soundboard if you will that starting point as far as sales so you know when do you like as far as you know becoming an AE in that transition um is that where you want to go as far as you know the future I'm not sure yet <laughs> yeah. still I don't know I, it's hard to know whether or not you want to be an AE or an SDR manager <laughs> or sales development leader I I think when I actually fall into one of those positions when I progress I'll understand more what is and what isn't the right fit, but it's hard to understand something you've never done before. You know what I mean? Like it takes time to really see if this is what you want to do. Now, I know I had really quick results as an SDR back at West Corporation, but that doesn't mean I'm going to have really quick results as an AE or an SDR manager at one market. It's a feeling out process. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's what you never know. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you got to love the process. Um, You know, I mean, it's always important to think what could be the next step, but you also have to focus about what you can control in your current role, right? Exactly. So something I started telling myself when COVID hit was I control my output. Nobody else controls my output. It's my choice whether or not I want to make 100 dials or 50 dials or 25 dials. It's my choice. Like you decide whether or not you want to do it. And if you choose not to do it and you're not getting the results you want, it's probably time to make a change and recognize that you do need to do more output or whatever it may be. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's that's why I think, you know, sales is a, amazing field because a lot of the onus and your growth depends on your output and what you put into it and i think it there's not a lot of other divisions within a business that that that's the case no i totally agree 
<laughs> so just, I mean, just walk me through, you know, any, you know, when you were in retail sales, could you, you know, envision yourself where you are right now? Honestly, I had no idea what inside sales was. <laughs> um, it's interesting. Like I look back on it and it's like 10 years ago now when I started doing retail and I had no idea that I'd be in the position I'm in today. Like I had no clue, but now that I'm in the position I am now, I realize that I can go pretty far with this sales thing. If it's something I continue to stay passionate about. So I'm excited for what the next, you know, year, five years, 10 years has in store. Yeah, that's, that's important. And I think, you know, just being able to transition out of, you know, your last role at directive and uh, securing up a new, another job. Uh, that's huge. I mean, that just shows your tenacity. And, you know, I, I think especially for recent grads and, and people who are just getting ready to graduate, there are companies that hiring. Um, I mean, with the current state of a lot of people fine for unemployment, uh, that people are hiring. And I think sales is really something where people can can shine and, and apply to jobs when other industries are getting really hit hard uh, by by certain you know, by the unemployment. Yeah, no. And a big part of me getting my last two jobs, like I mentioned before, was being present on LinkedIn. It's, it's been a huge tool for me just uh, getting people, whether it be a job or just, you know, like this, you know, this conversation wouldn't happen if it wasn't for LinkedIn. Exactly. And I think that's huge too. I mean, networking, I mean, I, sometimes I go online and I see, you know, current because i graduated uh, from a local university in maryland and i know you're out in wisconsin and i and i look on linkedin and i see some students or current students who have a current you know 60 connections and i'm thinking college is the best time to grow your network and for me when i was in college i i set it upon myself to grow as many connections as i could and, and that's where it really starts and the importance of networking i mean you know, and, and I think sometimes in college, some students don't always take that approach. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what, like, what, what advice? I mean, because now, you know, I mean, you mentioned you you mentioned earlier um, that you know your last two, you know, roles came from networking on LinkedIn. Um, you know, if a college student would want to leverage their ne- LinkedIn network you know, what advice would you give, you know, either graduating seniors or just um, college students in general? Good question. So I think the important part is understanding where you want to be after college, whatever it may be, whatever profession, and surrounding yourself with people that have been there. A quote that Kevin Dorsey had in a podcast that I heard was, why take 20 years to learn something if you could learn from someone who's been doing it for 20 years and it's really stuck with me for a long time. Like if you are so motivated to reach your goals, connect with people who have already reached them and they'll push you to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. I love that. I definitely, you know, networking is a huge, huge aspect. And, you know, for myself, I mean, <laughs> it was funny. My one of my former colleagues at my last job. That's how, I mean, that's how I got my 
my next goal as an, as an SDR, I mean, it, you know, just that connection. And I think a lot of times, you know, that's, that's where you get opportunities is networking. Uh, so yeah, man, I think, you know, as far as college students and, you know, if, if people, so I got to ask <laughs> as far as, you know, because there's a lot of industry or a lot of roles, you know, that are out there, whether it's, you know, especially now, but why would you tell somebody to go into sales? Because in any aspect of your life, you have to sell yourself to a certain extent. It's just <laughs> part of life, whether it's an interview, an argument, whatever it may be. If you can't get your point across effectively, then you're not going to be able to efficiently communicate with people. You need to understand, you know, what other people are dealing with, whether it be through being empathetic or resilient. It just, it takes that little extra gusto to, to get to the point that you want to be at. Yeah, I love that, Brian. Uh, definitely, you know, there's sales. It's not just, you know, business to business or B to C. It's people to people, that. right? That's, that's good. <laughs> So, yeah, Ryan, um, I really appreciate you taking the time today, uh, you know, to join me on my podcast and definitely, you know, continue this conversation. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to connect with you, uh, what's the best way to do that? Obviously, LinkedIn's one of them, but <laughs> what are some uh, what are some other ways people can uh, reach out? To LinkedIn's you? good. Um, I'm starting to be a little bit more present on Twitter. It's a little bit more informal and I'm not I'm a fan, but <laughs> I'm giving it a shot because it's something new and there's a lot of great conversations on there too. So best place to find me is LinkedIn, Ryan Zadrazil, Z-A-D-R-A-Z-I-L. And I'm more than happy to have a conversation with you if you're interested in connecting or just networking or whatever it may be. Yeah, Vine, it's been a pleasure and keep crushing it, man. Keep doing what you're doing as far as you know the sales it's it's been great and yeah man just keep crushing it and you know in the sales world and and also the mental health i think it's it's really awesome that uh you know you continue to post content and uh yeah definitely continue to uh follow that content. i appreciate it adam and you do the same keep keep crushing it this podcast was awesome i was i'm super happy you had me on as a guest Oh, that, that's awesome, Ryan. And uh, yeah, man, until the next time we connect, uh, definitely lines of communication is always awesome. Open, same, same goes for you. Take care. And uh, I will. Safe, you bye. too. <laughs> bye. bye.